What's up, guys? My name is Jackson McMurray, guys, and this is No Nerds Allowed, guys. What's up, everybody? I'm Adeline McMurray, and today we're going to be doing another Let's Play of Happy Wheels Extreme Version 2.0 Minecraft Edition. Make sure you like this video, guys, and turn on the bell, guys. And it just, if just you... fucking <laughs> obliterate that like button, dude. Hit that bell. Smash that subscribe button. Anyway... Uh, actually, though, my name's Jackson. Annihilate your computer screen. <laughs> anyway, for real, though, my name's Jackson McMurray. I'm Adeline. And this is No Nerds Allowed. Oh, I thought we already did this. I, I thought we no did, too. I don't know. I'll play it by ear. We'll figure right, it out. All right, cool. I'll cut In that case up. You... <laughs> this is your final warning. <laughs> no Nerds Allowed starting. In three, two, one, now. Hey, Adeline, how's it going? What that was is, a test. Uh, if you're a nerd and you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, Adeline, this yeah. is something I brought up with you semi-recently that I feel needs mm -hmm. to be addressed. Okay. Um, you've never heard of Bonicula. What? You don't know what binicula is at all. You have no reference for what binicula is. No, I have is. no idea what the hell is. it like binoculars were... and also bionicle? No, it's it's a book. It's a it's a children's book. If you had to venture a guess as to what it's about, could you tell me? No, I literally. It sounds like an advertisement for a drug that I've seen on TV for binicula. medium to severe plaque psoriasis. It's it was a series of books. I'm going to open my web browser just so I can make sure I get this right. Oh, uh -huh, great. great. About great, great. a pet rabbit who turns into a vampire. He turns into you're a Dracula. You're making this up. I'm this not making real. it up. This I'm really surprised real that you've never heard of it before. Is it a graphic novel? No. It's a series of no? like children's chapter books. Okay, send me a picture of what the cover looks like. Um, okay, let's see. Apparently there's an animated series in the UK right now. Y the UK is all over old children's media right now, so that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Um, let's see, I'm trying to find the one that I remember. Oh, here we are. That's the one. You're just gonna send me a picture of like a butt or something? <laughs> no, it, it's this is real. an extended prank on me. It's so real. It's shockingly real. There it is. It's by Deborah and James Howe. Yeah. Hey, Jackson. This is a prank. Still. <laughs> no, it's not. You photoshopped this. This <laughs> isn't real. <laughs> this is. There were multiple. Oh, like Bunny and Dracula, Bunicula? <laughs> yeah. Bunicula. Why is that how you would combine those words? It's <laughs> a really good question. How would you do it? Buncula? Without the eyes. <laughs> the eyes, because you have the whole word of bunny. Right. And the cula. But Dr well, I don't get the cula out of Dracula, because I just say Dracula. I don't say Dracula. <laughs> if I remember. I'm not psycho. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the plot of it was that. It was told the, from the perspective of that cat and the dog. They were the main characters. Yeah, who looked like the cat and dog from uh, Animaniacs. Yeah, exactly. And they, uh, the family, like brings home this new bunny, but they're very afraid it that it has been them. it has been bitten by a dracul, and uh, it bites carrots and it sucks the orange out of them. 
because it's uh-huh, uh-huh, a uh-huh. vampire. Just like Marceline Adventure Time. That's how you know it's true. Is that is that a thing that happens? She drinks the color red instead of blood. Oh, okay. That's the only other time I've heard of something like that. Is that actually a thing? Is that what do you mean? Is that actually a thing? Is that a part of like Dracula lore? I do not believe lore? so. Well, we've here's got, another we've one. Got two for zero. <laughs> Bunicula. Yeah. Hey, this is still photoshopped. <laughs> a rabbit tale of mystery by Deborah and James Howe. What? So what? How, is it just like the cat <laughs> being like, "Hey, this bunny's bad news," and the dog's like, "Yo, dog." And I do not. not the whole, is that the whole book series? I do not remember what happens. I believe we read yeah. the first one at read aloud time in elementary school. Oh yeah. Um, Didn't you also read like? Old Yeller out loud in elementary school. It was uh, Where the Red Fern Grows. Have we done an, any hot takes on Where the Red Fern Grows on this podcast yet? I've never read the book. All I know is that he shoots his own dog. That's all no. I know about Where the Red Fern Grows. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. That's not how it goes. Um, oh, is that not how it goes? I thought he no. shot his dog. No. What happens, this is the truth. This is the God's uh-huh. honest truth. Uh-huh. Um, one of the dogs gets killed by a cougar. Oh, that's right. And then the second dog dies of sadness. Yeah. And it's just like, what's the, the deal with this? Is dog blood, right? And a red fern grows over their graves, if that's what you mean, yes. Yeah, it's dog blood. Um, hey, what the fuck is up with that? Why does yeah, that happen? Why would you write a story about that? Why is this what you want to put into the world? And I mean, look, I will concede... That I have not read the book since I Elementary was... school. Yeah, since I was in third grade, which I suppose I was probably seven years old. So yeah. my my ability to critically analyze a story like that at that age was uh, near zero. I didn't really start having been forced to read books until about high school. That I can, like, remember coherently, at least. Right. And I feel like the worst one that I was forced to read was when it was Things Fall Apart, which is that story about the African tribe when the missionaries come. Oh, yeah. But they trick you into thinking that that's what the book is about, because that's actually a really <laughs> interesting topic. Right. Uh, it's actually about Okonkwo murdering his adopted son and then accidentally murdering another kid. Right. And then being exiled while all of the cool stuff happens in the tribe. Like, where they ha- all the conflict with the missionaries, you miss out on. So, Conquo accidentally killed a kid. So, he's just out in the wilderness abusing his wife and child. And then it's- you come back, and it's like, hey, there's white people here now, and our society's being taken over. And he's like, wow, cool. Then the book ends. It's not a good story. It's like in The Hobbit. Where they're yeah, like, wait, wait. oh my god, check it out. There's five different fucking armies about to have this incredible battle. And then Bilbo fucking hits his head on the rock and he passes yep. out and then he wakes up at home later. It's a lot later. like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> because you think it's going to be this, like, criticism of missionaries and colonialism, but it's not. You're just, right. like, stuck with this guy, Okonkwo, who's kind of a shitty person. And you're just right. like, this is cool, I guess. <laughs> I mean, having not read the book myself, uh-huh. don't, don't you think... <laughs> Don't you think that's how you know it's a really good take is when it starts yeah. that way? <laughs> Here comes the hottest uh, <laughs> take. Here comes Galaxy Brain. I mean, don't you think that you could read it as saying that like that's the thing about oppression is that like it's it strikes when you are you, not prepared to to fight against it. That if in an, in a situation like that, if you are distracted even for a second, like if you for example shot a kid. 
then suddenly it's all over for your whole society. This this is a lesson. If you accidentally shoot a kid, you are open that, to be oppressed. Yeah. That was a that was a genuine take. That was like a genuine take interspersed with jokes. So No, that, I get what you're saying. I don't remember the book super well, so I wouldn't remember any stuff like that. I just remember everyone in my class did not like it cuz it's also written in a boring way. Right, so yeah. No. Like, well, Akonkwo uh, hates both his sons and his daughter's really cool, but he fucking hates her because she's a woman <laughs> and can't do any of the things right. that she, he, she wants to do, so. the uh, I had to read a short story about that guy. That's Chinua Achebe, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I read a short story about him in one of my classes, and, like, even that was, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's not that boring. the content was bad. It was just, like, he has the driest, the most boring writing style known yeah. to mankind. Oh, the lady who wrote Beloved passed away recently. And yeah, she's Toni awesome. Morrison. Yeah. I didn't have Shout to read Beloved Shout out to Toni either. Morrison. She's great. What? I feel like I didn't really have to read any of the really heavy books because I was never in, like, AP English. Oh, yeah. So, but on the other hand, I had to read Into the Wild, which is a really weird English literature choice. Is I don't that know. the book that Justin hates? Or Travis hates one of the Macroy brothers hates a book that they were forced to read in high school, and now I can't remember. It's which probably one it not is. that one. That one, that book is fairly recent. I think it came out in the nineties. Okay. Uh, but it's a it's a nonfiction book about a kid who was just like fed up with all of like society, so he mm-hmm. just went out and lived in the woods, and he just like successfully lived in the woods for like five years until he accidentally ate some berries and died. It's a <laughs> I mean, that's what would happen, though. (laughs) Yeah, because that's what did happen. And, you know, it's just like, because it's written by John Krakauer, and it's, you know, it's not a, it's not fiction. It's all all these accounts from people he knew, and he talks about his experiences and everybody that he met, like, during the time leading up to him leaving and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And it's a super good book. I really liked it. But it was also just, it's, like, not a literary classic, you know? Like, I don't know why we yeah. we read it in my junior year yeah, English class. Yeah, why did you read that? Um, Kristen Stewart was in the movie, so that's oh. that's cool. So that's how you know it's good. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, though, Sorry, because, Kristen you know, he, he talks <laughs> I about, like... I have a problem with her. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but it talks about how, like, you know, it's true he did, like, die out in the wilderness, but, like... I think he knew that going in, you know. He wasn't oh, yeah. like, he wasn't oh, like, I'm, I'm going to be, it's going to be great in the wilderness. Yeah, he wasn't like, I'm going to go out in the wilderness and live to a very ripe old age before I quietly yeah. pass away in my sleep. It's like, he knew that, like, a few years in, something would probably go wrong and he'd probably die. That's what he yeah. wanted, you know. Okay, I'm going to say one more thing about reading stuff from our childhood and then we'll talk about the movie. But <laughs> when I was little, one of my favorite books I would read was The Boxcar Children. I don't oh, yeah. remember why they're orphaned or whatever, but they're, like, four <laughs> orphan siblings. I don't remember why they're orphaned. orphaned. I literally, it's just, it doesn't matter. But, right. <laughs> but so, basically, they're on their own, and they find this boxcar. And the first book in the series is them finding this boxcar and basically living out this boxcar. And it's, like, this really cool story of them, like, making relationships in the town and, like, how they live in this car. And while they're living there, they, like, solve a mystery, and it's really, really cool. But at the end of the first book, they get adopted by, like, a millionaire, and then it wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> and then it was just like, we're a bunch of kids, and we solve mysteries, and we still have the boxcar, even though we live in a mansion now. And right. I'm like, you're no longer the boxcar children. You sold out. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, all the cool I, stuff about them living in the boxcar was just, like, totally gone. Like, they're, the big, big brother had to, like, go out and work, and they'd get bread, and then, like, they had, like, this cool relationship with the lady that he worked for. Like, it right. was a cool story. And then they just get adopted by a millionaire, and all their problems are over. <laughs> it's like if you wrote a book about me and called it The High School Boy. It's just, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it was apt at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> But then it was over. Then you sold out. <laughs> so, Adeline, what uh, what movie did we watch today? We watched Toy Story today. The OG, man. Oh, did you watch Toy Story? Yeah. I watched Too Fast, Too Furious. I thought you said Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> I thought you said Too Fast Story. <laughs> the story of Too Fast, Furious. Fast and Furious presents Too Toy, Too Story. <laughs> This time, it's the same. <laughs> so, yeah, so we watched uh, Toy Story, 1995. Yeah. Well, because uh, we watched Toy Story 4 with our whole family, and that yeah, just no, made us think about the original Toy Story. And Jackson's also just been watching all the Toy Story movies. I have been. It's because they're all very good. They're all very good. Um, yeah. So yeah, We're not going to get a podcast and be like, all right, y'all, here's the thing. <laughs> Toy Story sucks. <laughs> Worst film. The, uh, do you want to do the other Toy Story movies eventually, or do you want to just sort of do a deep dive? We gotta finish Harry Potter at some point. That's true. That's really true. We said we were gonna do that. We haven't done. Yeah, it's been a real hot second since we did a Harry Potter. Yeah, we should probably do the fourth Harry Potter next. Yeah, that'll be our next week. All right, cool. Um, (laughs) So, uh. Anyway, back to Media Res. (laughs) This movie, just right off the bat, I wanna point out that, um, one of these, like, weird things that I always think is super interesting is that Joss Whedon is one of the screenwriters on this movie. Um, Yeah. Before he hated women. (laughs) I guess, I don't know. No no takes from Jackson on that. I haven't, (laughs) I haven't done my research. But, um, apparently. I haven't either. I just learned that that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, he, uh,. Apparently, for a long time in the 90s, he wasn't, like, a successful, like, director, screenwriter, television producer, or whatever. He was, Mm -hmm. like, he was a script doctor. So, like, companies would just hire him to, like, come in when a script wasn't really working. And he'd just read it and be like, here's how you fix it. They definitely needed that for Toy Story. Are you being sarcastic? No, like, that's the whole thing, is that they had so much, so many problems with Toy Story during production. Right. So, yeah, and so Joss Whedon was just one of the people that they brought in that the company hired to be like, hey, we have this script and it sucks, so just, like, take, can you, like, fix it for us? Yeah. Um, no, literally every, every Pixar documentary you watch that even talks about Pixar just, like, talks about how much they struggled to make this movie. Like, it's because the whole, basically the whole film, until they get to Sid's house, the there's not really a protagonist and, and an antagonist. It's just right. Woody and Buzz having that conflict. Mm-hmm. And that conflict makes Woody kind of unlikable until right. he gets redeemed later in the film. Yeah. So that opening part of the film was just so antagonistic and didn't work at <laughs> right. all for so long. Because it was just Woody yelling at everybody and <laughs> right. then Buzz being like, hey, fuck you. Yeah. And that was just the whole <laughs> film. And they're like, why don't kids like this? Right. Like, <laughs> Like, and they would just, like, they would work out all day, sit back, and, like, watch the storyboards, and it's just two men yelling at each other. <laughs> and they're like, this, this isn't good. We should do something else. Something's not working here. Yeah, why uh, don't Speaking I like of, this? though, I just gotta say, Tom Hanks is so fucking funny in this movie. He's so good in this, yeah. I feel like Tom Hanks doesn't really get to be quite as funny in any of the sequels, because he's just, he doesn't yeah. play quite as, like, 
broad of a role, you yeah. know? Well, he, like, he becomes the voice of reason in the yeah. dynamic of the toys. And this movie, he's definitely not the voice of reason. In this right. movie, he's kind of the... I want This is kind of Woody's origin story a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Because all the rest of the films... Toy Story is preaching the toy gospel and being like, this is the toy life, this is what we do. Right. Hell yeah, toy stuff. And then in this movie, he's like, but I want to I wanna be the favorite toy. Why aren't right. I the favorite toy? Yeah. And, no, so, and, and then after this movie, he's like, it's about the kids. It's not about being the favorite, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I was going to say, and he is like the voice of reason at the beginning of the movie, too. I think what's interesting oh, yeah. is that his arc is just sort of like him... Because one of the things about the Toy Story movies, all of them except for the third one, for no reason, are, like, all totally mm-hmm. revolve around Woody's, like, insecurity as a toy. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one is like, oh, no, Buzz is here. Oh, what yes, if... The third one totally does. What are you talking about? I just watched it. In what way? Okay, let me let me continue. Okay, you say your thing first. The first one is like, oh, no, Buzz is here. What, what if Andy doesn't like me anymore? The second one is like, oh, no, I've got a rip in my arm. What if Andy doesn't like me anymore? Man, this rips. <laughs> No, Rips is good, I thought. I don't know, whatever. Oh, I thought it was... <laughs> I thought Tigers just didn't give a rip. <laughs> when he gets a rip on his arm, he's like, Oh, yeah! It's fucking Rips! He's <laughs> <laughs> tearing my arm. Rips shit! so cool. <laughs> anyway, and the fourth one is all about, like, Oh, suddenly he's not, like, the star toy anymore, and he, like, Bonnie doesn't really care as much about him, so he becomes insecure about, like, his place in... The dynamic mm-hmm. and all that. But Toy Story 3 is just like... It's a structured debate. Toy Story 3... Uh, the, the <laughs> I'm pro you're gone. Yeah. But we I just know, watched the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode about this, Jackson. Right. I mean, I guess it is about Woody being insecure about like Andy not playing with him anymore because he's older now. But it's yeah. not his specific insecurity. It's an insecurity that's shared by everyone, you know? Well, it's I not think, an arc that's unique to him, is what I'm trying to say. I think they're all a little bit apply, supposed to be applied to all the toys. I mean, looking at the first one, the whole thing is that it's that Woody is the favorite toy, and that's like a big deal. When he's not the favorite toy anymore, he gets this mad jealousy, and the movie starts. And Mr. Potato Head kind of has that throwaway line where he's like, "What? What if Andy plays more with me? Are you gonna throw me away?" Like, right. I feel like there is that kind of. There is a little bit of competition in between the toys, especially because at the beginning of the movie, where we have the birthday party, all of the toys are freaking out, and they send people down, and they are That's scared, true. and they are worried. You're right. Because they think they're going to be replaced by new toys. And then right. at the end of the movie, at Christmas, that stress is totally gone. Everyone is totally happy to see if there's new toys or whatever new thing is going to happen. Right, yeah. So I think while we are focusing on Woody, I think all of the themes are supposed to apply to the other toys. I think the third movie is really just tamarinated to the whole group instead of right. just focusing on one of them because on toy story 2 also <clears throat> it's that whole thing about like self-preservation over helping others kind of right it's been yeah. a while since i watched toy story 2 <laughs> yeah but because you have you have jesse who's been abandoned and you have woody who doesn't want to be abandoned right and i had a point of what i was talking about and yeah. i lost it well it's trying also to remember what happened to toy story 2 right and it, it's kind of interesting how like in Toy Story 2, 
they decided like or i don't know maybe they just figured out it's like oh we can get like really fucking real with this like oh yeah it's kind of interesting like how much i associate that level of realness with the toy story franchise about just being like super serious about like abandonment and trauma and all these kinds of things dude but the first one is maybe one of the best female animated characters of all time jesse is an awesome character okay but what i'm saying is i think that the first the first movie just doesn't really have the same level of realness as all the other ones do. Oh, no, like, absolutely not. It's got, like, a, you know, it's got a really well-motivated conflict, but it's, like, still a pretty a pretty breezy movie, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think it's because... I think it's just because of where Pixar was as a company at the time, and right. because they struggled so much with the project, that you're like, we have to make a story that works, period, and we're struggling with it. Like, <laughs> right. they had... There's no way they were gonna make it, like... Sh- like, go farther and, like, test the limits when they couldn't even, like, get the basics down. So, I think, right. yeah, that's just a matter of history. Yeah. And it's also kind of interesting because, God, it's been so long since I've seen Bugs Life. But, like, I think Pixar is kind of known just in general for, like, grappling with really big concepts, right? It's, like, mm-hmm. that's sort of their brand at this point is, like, the, like, really intense and really serious, like, emotional stakes attached to these stories. Um, I... And I'm trying to think if Toy Story was the movie, or like Toy Story Two was the movie that like cemented that as their sort of shtick. What is Bugs Life like? Does Bugs Life have well, like intense? Bugs Life is states? literally communist propaganda. Right. That's, That's not what I was asking though. Sorry, what were you asking? <laughs> Did they have like really intense emotional stakes in Bugs Life? I mean, there is. It is because it's not nearly. It's not personal stakes it's more of like community stakes right because they establish the ants as a community as like a family and they establish all the other bugs that come in as a family and so then when you have the antagonists which are the crickets who are coming in and they're gonna start basically killing people and stuff it is there is a level of seriousness it's more it's honestly it's more of like a war movie than it is like a character movie it's more like independence day than like (laughs) right friends you know i don't know yeah (laughs) like have you seen independence day no, I haven't. I just oh, okay. know Will Smith gives a speech about this is our Independence Day, but from <laughs> right. aliens instead yeah. of the British. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. Should I do it? I'm not going to do an impression of Will Smith. That's you probably You know a bad how idea. it's Independence Day? <laughs> but what if that was like for aliens? Because we're being invaded by aliens? <laughs> Are you with me, guys? Um, do you want to talk about how this movie looks? It. It's not bad. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse, especially for the time, and especially right. looking at other Pixar projects at the time. <laughs> right, like yeah. Like, the little, like, what was basically the test for Toy Story, that little animated short film with the toy drummer and the baby. Right. That fucking sucks. Like, I know it's a part <laughs> of animation history, but it it's bad. It's really bad. Have you seen that fucking baby? Yeah, I have. It's Nightmare on Elm Street, Street City. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, I don't know. I'm but, just laughing but, at Nightmare on Elm Street City because it doesn't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> so I continue. Yeah, it doesn't have to make sense. I just like to say words sometimes. I tried out some new words, a new order, and I, and I laughed if it at was it. Funny. I laughed yeah, at it. It was funny. Yeah. So shut up. <laughs> so I, I wasn't ridiculing you. I was appreciating. Write that down. Nightmare on Elm Street City. Very funny. <laughs> Use those words in that order again sometimes. Continue to say that all the time. All the time. Never stop. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway. I think what makes this movie watchable, 
is yeah. the fact that like the animation itself is so competent. Like the Most way that things, yeah, exactly. No, and that's what I think is so funny because like the way that Woody moves is incredible. Like mm-hmm. when he's like being picked up and moved around, the way his limbs like kind of swing around and like yeah. when he's Does moving. Woody run? Yeah, and it's like th- there's so much attention put into him and the way he moves that keep you from being distracted by the visuals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same cannot be said f- for, for example, Andy's mom, who it's like yeah. whenever she's on screen, you know, like in terms of like models, she looks as good as any other person. Yeah. But the way she moves, you can tell there's like way fewer keyframes in the way that yeah, she yeah, moves, yeah. you know. Why? Like she okay, just moves like a bad computer program. Yeah. Okay. Andy looks way better than Sid does, just like from a design standpoint. Why do they both have monster peanut heads, though? They both look like Jimmy <laughs> yeah, Neutron, and Jimmy Neutron is a nightmare. They do have weird heads, and I also want to say that everybody's mouth is kind of whack in this movie. It's weird. Well, Sid has like scary teeth because he's got like right. braces, and that's like a part of it. But like, still. <laughs> right. No, yeah, but, like, if you ever, like, find yourself, like, looking at, like, the corners of their mouths, oh, like, the intersections weird. of their two lips, you're like, mm, that doesn't work. There's something needs yeah. to be done about this. I mean, honestly, what I noticed the most that made it look dated was that the textures were not that great. Yeah. And I think that's just because Pixar has just fucking nailed textures recently. Yeah. Like, whatever, like, whatever the, like wall that you have to get through to like make textures look like reality they like broke <laughs> right. that yeah and they're like they nail it like everything in toy story 4 looks exactly like it's supposed to and it's yeah freaking it's amazing freaking and then you go good. back to toy yeah. story 1 and everything's just like a little bit off or like colored a right. little bit weird or like doesn't perfectly match with everything that's around it yeah so like it's the animation is still great it's just a texture it is just a little bit off yeah no there's a there's a shot i made a note of which is, like, that moment where, like, Andy's mom comes out and she's like, I have chips. And she, like, steps out one of the army men. That door yeah. has pixels on it that are, like, the size of quarters. They're enormous. <laughs> like, if you ever, like, make a note of that, that of that shot. Yeah, like, seriously, it's real bad. Uh, I remember. Looks like Minecraft. Like, I remember being, like, 14 and being, like, really sick. Yeah. And watching Toy Story. And then crying when one of the army men gets left behind. <laughs> like, what do they leave like, behind an army man? Well, no, because oh, he gets the guy injured who gets and on. he's like, go on without me. Right. And he's like, we never leave anyone behind. And I was just, like, sick <laughs> out of my mind. And I was just, like, I just, like, just, like, cried a little bit. And even in the moment, I was like, why the hell am I crying? <laughs> I'm too emotionally invested in this right now. Right. I think it's kind of interesting just i don't know it's one of those things that's like this is like such a long running and beloved series mm-hmm. that like you feel like you know like what it's like what the tone is and the way that it's written like you feel really familiar with it you know mm-hmm. but like some when you go back and watch like the very first one and it doesn't totally mesh with the tone of all the later ones oh, yeah. and it sticks out like the very beginning of this movie is like 75% like one liner puns about the fact that they're toys <laughs> Like, which is just, like, so not what oh, the yeah. rest of the movies are. Oh, I just think it's weird. Because at the beginning, you they have, like, the staff meeting, and there's this kind of throwaway joke about, like, a plastic erosure, like, seminar or something. Like, there's just, like, a throwaway joke. Yeah. But it's, like, Corrosion. this, like... I mean, Woody has always been the leader, and he's the leader in all of the movies. But they haven't been, like, a business community type thing that right. they kind of are in this movie that's a little bit weird. 
And like when they attack Sid, there's this line where like Woody's like, "We're gonna have to break some rules." Like it's weird. It's kind of like corporate. Yeah, in, no, in a there's a little bit of that not, vibe. Then it's not in the other movies. In the other movies, it's absolutely like we're a family and we all work together and we all work to protect each other. In this movie, it feels like a little bit more of like a business relationship. Yeah, it's like they all work together at the office. That's probably why they're all so mean to each other. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> No, and that's, you know, and um, I, also, I also just like to think that Woody is the one who puts on all these seminars and nobody fucking wants to go to him, but he makes them, like, and he just talks about plastic corrosion awareness while no, everybody rolls the their keyboard. eyes at him. he did it. They were all down. <laughs> they all went to it. It was a success. Oh, that's true. Or was it really, or is he just like... Or is he just saying... I thought it was great. I, th- I really liked it. Yeah. Um, or Listen, it's one of those things where it's a like... seminar and we're going to listen to it. Yeah, it's like, they let me finish talking, so to me, that's a success. Yep. <laughs> um, you freaking animals. But yeah, like, at the very beginning, it's like, Mr. Potato Head's like, look, I'm Picasso. And Ham's like, I don't get it. He's like, you uncultured swine, because he's a pig, haha. And yeah. then, like, Bo Peep is like, oh, why don't you come talk to me? I'm always just a few blocks away. Or she passes some blocks, and you're like, haha, yeah. that's good. And you're like, why is so much of the movie just this? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a couple of lines that I want to point out that get me, like, every single time I watch this movie. Yeah. Is uh, when they're all freaking out about the presence at the very beginning. And Woody says something like, okay, if we listen in and you see, will you all just calm down? And Rex is like, yes, yes, we'll calm down, we promise! <laughs> and I think that's so funny. There's um, one that I noticed that was really funny. It's when they first find out there's a birthday party and Woody's just talking to Slinky. And he's like, go go get everybody, but go get, a, get everybody. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go get everybody. But he's like, but be happy about it. And then as Slink walks away, you just hear him going, <laughs> and it's know, really, good. really good. Too. No, and my other favorite one is when they're like listening to all the presents unwrapping and the other guy's like, it's bed sheets. And Mr. Pinhead's like, who invited that kid? Yeah. I thought that was really great too. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, um, I was I was just thinking about it because we just watched Toy Story four, which has a lot. I would say feminist mode <laughs> has a lot of strong female characters in it. Right. And then going back to the first movie, there's just like no female characters yeah, in this no. whole movie except for Bo Peep. There's Bo Peep and Sid's little sister and Andy's mom and right. Andy's little sister, and that's like it. No, yeah, and it's totally not... like the classic cartoon, like, this one's the girl thing, you know? Yeah, this is the girl thing. She likes the protagonist. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's the, it's like... like... Go ahead. It's, like, it's not bad, because none of the characters are bad, but that's only because they're not really characters. Right, yeah. So it's, like, yeah, there are women here, and they're and they're not bad women characters so it's like yeah you you did it you're good (laughs) right um and yeah you know that was something that our family was talking about after we finished toy story 4 was like we were saying like oh like bo peep's character was like so totally different in that than it was in the earlier ones but like when i went back and watched him afterwards it was like i mean not really because she just like didn't really have a lot of character you know like that could have been her character this whole time and we wouldn't have really known it i mean you still see a little bit of that like to to say a a trope that i don't really think applies but you can still see that kind of strong female character in there because like when they're all ganging up on woody and want to throw him out the window she's like hey guys could you shut up and stop for a minute (laughs) yeah yeah for sure like you can tell that there is a character there and she definitely does a little she like progressively does a little bit more in each movie until you get to toy story 4 like in toy story 2 she's like a part of the mission for a little bit and she's like 
she's like in charge when they go to go rescue. Oh, is she not? I thought no, she, she stays at home. Well, she stays at home, and so does. There is a line where they're like, "Hey, Mrs. Potato Head and Bo Peep, you guys stay here." Isn't that like a line? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Anyway, but when they go to rescue Penguin Man from the garage sale, isn't she like kind of in charge for that? Mm, no. Never mind. Then. No, Forget yeah, pretty much not at all. Sorry, I don't want to be like, I don't want to like shoot you down, but I did just watch that movie yesterday, and yeah. I can't in fact attest that she doesn't really do anything in that movie. All right, cool. Never mind then. But still, you still Sorry. see a little bit more of her until you get yeah. to Toy Story Four. Well, she's not in Toy Story Three. And then fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, okay, another thing about this Welcome is, to the Jackson Show, I, starring Jackson. I, well, do you want me to just... Would you rather no, I gonna... said so right now, or would you rather you just... I was just like, uh-huh, yeah. Just <laughs> let up. you continue you to talk. say wrong things on my podcast. Um, my podcast starring me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to keep digging this hole, or yeah. you want to... <laughs> But anyway, uh, another one of the things that I feel like is sort of part of the DNA of Toy Story is, like, heist elements. Oh, yeah, totally. Which isn't really a part of this one as much as it is the other ones. Like, it feels like every big set piece in every Toy Story movie is all all about, like, you know, sneaking around and, like, Mm -hmm. not being caught and, like, breaking people out of things and all these kinds of ideas. But the first one, there's not really a lot of stealth elements in it, you know? No, in fact, it's kind of... The two big action set pieces are kind of literally the opposite of everything that we see in the other films. Like, the first one being where they take out Sid is literally them breaking all of the rules of being a toy and scaring the crap out of him. Which is a very cool scene, but it's just like nothing we ever see after that. Uh And then the second action set piece is basically a car chase (laughs) with a rocket. And it's dope as hell, but it's just, again, it's not something we ever see again. Like, there's no other car chases in right, Toy yeah. Story. And it's like, That's so it's... That's a lie. There is a the part in Toy Story 2 where they drive the car, so never mind. Right. Car chases are very much a part of this. <laughs> but, uh, no, but, like, the point is, is that it's not, it's not, like, stealth-based at all. There's, like, no yeah. mention of, like, trying not to be seen or anything. They're just flying through traffic, like, with no safety yeah. net. Just, like... I don't know, whatever. It's, yeah. it's more important than <laughs> what that. What if they see us? What the fuck are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of something that I like about Toy Story is that, like, it's would be so easy to write a script where it's like, oh, and then a person finds out that the toys are alive and they have to keep it a secret and, like, which yeah. would just be dumb. Like, and I'm really glad that that's not, like, part of the formula of it. That's not something that you ever, like even are really thinking about when you're watching the movies, you know, because it's so much, yeah. like, not a part of it. Well, I think that's, again, just a history fact of where Pixar was. Like, they were not at the point in animation where having an animated story with a human main character. Like, that right. wasn't even a possibility of a thing that they could do without yeah. it being creepy and weird. Like I mean, like, moving forward, though, like, in all of them. It's oh, like, like it's, afterwards, yeah. It's not part of the identity of it that it's, like oh no, like, we have to keep ourselves a secret because if the humans find out, they'll never let us be or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. something stupid like that. That's that's what... Well, it's like, you think that would be a part of it with Buzz because the whole thing is that he doesn't know that he's a toy. Right. So you, you feel like that would be a danger of, that would probably be part of the story, like, oh, we gotta keep Buzz under control because he's gotta screw this all up. Right. But they don't, and that doesn't yeah, happen. So. I know. And it's so funny to me. I mean, this is, like, kind of a plot hole thing, but it's, like... I mean, first yeah. of all, the, like, big famous plot hole is, like, if Buzz doesn't know he's a toy, why does he stand still when Andy comes in? Um, yeah. But, 
aside from that, I think it's so funny in all these movies how many, like, incredibly close calls they have with, like, being oh, yeah. seen. And yet, <laughs> nobody in the entire history of the world has ever the uncovered the world. fact that toys are alive. Like, yeah. Woody has almost been about, caught, the, like, by like himself, first... like, 40 times. Yeah, do you ever think of, like, the first teddy bear that was ever made? Like, what the hell's going through his brain? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you, Adeline. Yeah, hello. So do you think that all toys don't know their toys when they're first created? Or do you think it is, like, a case-by-case basis and, like, buzz is different? I think it depends on the type of toy. Right. Like, if it's a merchandise toy versus just, like, a basic toy. Like, if right. you buy a teddy bear... The teddy bear's gonna be like, what's up, I'm a teddy bear. But (laughs) if you buy, like, a Stormtrooper action figure, I think he's gonna be like, I'm a Stormtrooper, what's up? Right, whether, so, like, whether or not it has, like, a backstory attached to it. Yeah, exactly. As a product. Like, I think if you are, like, a licensed toy that, like, has a story (laughs) attached to it, I think it's gonna be a part of that story in your head. Versus if you just bought some, like, just, like, non-brand, just, like, toys, they're gonna be like, what's up, I'm a toy. Right, yeah. Um... And, yeah, I don't know, there are some things I have written down that I would probably just want to say for would we do Toy Story 2, inevitably. Um, yeah. The, um, I mean, I personally, I like Toy Story 2 more than I like Toy Story 1. Yeah. No, and now that I've gone through and looked at all of them, I do think the first one is honestly the weakest of them. Oh, Because, definitely. like, it's just... I'm trying to think. Like, Toy Story 2 has this really, really strong emotional core. Oh, totally. And, like, Toy Story 3, like, that emotional through line isn't quite as strong as it is in Toy Story 2, but, mm-hmm. like, it has, like, the two moments at the end that are so beautiful, like, when they're going into the furnace and also when they're getting given away at the end that are just mm-hmm. beautiful. And also, Toy Story 3, I think, has some of the best, like, and most creative, like, visual gags and storytelling ideas in any of them. Oh, totally. Like, I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's the most creative of the three, for sure. And then Toy Story mm-hmm. 4 is, like, kind of, like, a little bit of everything. I think it's, like, very middle of the road as far as, like, those two go. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, just, you know, I'm just going to talk about other movies for a while. Yeah, real quick. Because um, oh, we've never done that ever before I know. on our podcast. <laughs> um, okay, there's a moment in this where Buzz, like, when Buzz gets knocked out of the window and they mm-hmm. use the, the Wilhelm scream, which doesn't yeah. sound like Buzz at all. And no. I'm at this point now where I'm just like, I'm so sick of it. I don't like the Wilhelm scream. Okay, where did the Wilhelm scream, like, actually come from? Like, what was the first... I think it was Star Wars. I think the okay. scream comes from Star Wars is where it was recorded for originally. I'm not going to check. Some... That's just what I think. <laughs> okay, I think um, I'm going to check because I would like to know. <laughs> for real? It's just, like, this weird, like, tongue-in-cheek in-joke that, like, every movie does now. And it's like it just takes me out of it every single time. Like whenever I hear yeah, that, yeah, it doesn't matter screen, what it's in. Yeah, I'm just like, that was that was the one that was the Wilhelm screen, and now I'm just thinking about the fact that you put that in there because you thought it was funny. <laughs> like, oh, Jackson, it's from a movie called The Charge at Feather River, a 1953 western in which the character gets shot in the thigh with an arrow. This was the first use from the Warner Brothers stock sound library, although The Charge Feathers believed to have been the third film to use the effect. What was the first oh. film? From a series of found effects recorded in a 1951 movie, Distant Drums, in a scene from the film, soldiers are wading through a swamp in the Everglades, and one of them is bitten and dragged underwater by an alligator. The screen <laughs> for that scene was recorded later in a single take, along with five other shots, 
with five other short, pained screams, which were labeled Man Game Bit by an Alligator, and he screamed. <laughs> the <laughs> scream was used Why to soldier the alligator the scene. Screen and not the man gets hit by a crocodile and screams the scream. <laughs> The fifth scream was used for the soldier in the alligator scene, but the fourth, fifth, sixth screams were recorded in the session were also used earlier in the film when three Native Americans are shot during a raid on the fort. Yikes. Although takes four, five, and six are the most recognizable, all the screams are referred to as Wilhelm by those in the Santa community. Okay, so these right. are just some weird random sound effects that were yeah. recorded in the 50s. That for and some I guess reason we have... just... Yeah, yeah, as a society is, have just decided that it's really funny. Right. Oh, and just another little thing I wrote down as far as, like, sort of the ideological differences between this first movie and all the sequels is mm-hmm. that, like, all the other movies love to get creative with, like, other sort of family units of toys in the world. Like, oh, yeah. the fact that they go to Pizza Planet and in the claw machine is, like, just a whole bunch of uniform guys that are all exactly the same would mm-hmm. not have ever ever happened in any of the sequels like if they were making well, that I mean, today it would have been like a whole bunch of really unique sci-fi toys who have these oh, all true. voiced by like underrated character actors that you kind of know and like <laughs> all like have their own really unique personalities and banter off each other in yeah, a really fun way you know Keanu Reeves. exactly yeah well but i mean you do get that with the to- toys in sid room that's true and you don't get you don't get character actors or anything, and we don't get a lot of their personality. I'll agree with you there, but like there definitely is a community there, and they're no, all yeah, trying to help sure. each other. So I think I I think the reason that Toy Story is the weakest is because you have all of the seeds for things that eventually become staples in Toy Story films. Right. So it's, ignore the the metaphor of seeds and staples, but <laughs> <laughs> like the stuff. All the stuff that's in Toy Story, while it's still really good, is just very weak. And that's just because of all the problems that they had in pre-production. Right, yeah. And so then when you get to Toy Story 2, where they're definitely a lot more sure of themselves and can do a lot more things and have a foundation already built, that's when all of those themes that we kind of got in the first movie, like, actually come to fruition or actually strong and, like, make the franchise something that can be a franchise. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like Toy Story, the original one, like, it's biggest strength is really just that it's just a fucking good screenplay <laughs> like i mean yeah it's not like anything super groundbreaking or exciting but it's just like one of i think it's one of the best screenplays of the 90s like it's just yeah. so tight because this movie's 81 minutes long which is yeah, insane it's a short film. um and like and everything's just so tight and there's never a wasted moment and you're just like constantly like everything anybody says like gives you little insights into their characters and, like, the dynamic between Woody Buzz is Woody and Buzz. Um, <laughs> Woody Buzz? <laughs> the dynamic of Woody Buzz, their wonderful ship name, uh, is just, like, it's so, like, there's just such, like, a genuine tension to it. And everything feels oh, yeah. really well motivated. And, like, the climax is, like, full of all these great little Chekhov's guns where you're, like, calling back to ideas earlier in the movie. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. everything fits together, like, so perfectly. And it just... It makes it just, like, a really good movie, you know? Yeah, it does. Uh, I got a question. I actually don't have a question for you. I'm going to talk at you. I'm going to okay. do the opposite of what you usually do. Okay. <laughs> so there is the whole... This is a very popular internet theory where when when Sid... Not Sid. I keep going to get their names confused. When Andy gets home from Pizza Planet and he can't find Woody or Buzz 
and he goes to bed and he's super sad and his mom hands him the cowboy hat and he goes to sleep. That cowboy hat isn't Woody's hat, it's Jesse's hat in the next movie. And so everyone thought, oh, that means that Andy's mom is the girl who gave Jesse away. Right. And I don't think that's what that means. Yeah, I, I don't know if the timeline that, works out on that. Yeah, I just think it cements the fact that Woody used to be the mom's toy. Because she, be. she wouldn't have a boy cowboy hat, she would have a cowgirl hat. Even if she had a right. Woody doll, she would still want the girl hat. Yeah, I like that so, better. I like yeah, that Woody think, was the mom's toy. Yeah, well, because we talked about that earlier when we saw Toy Story 4. It's right. like, because Woody talks so much in that film about Andy and the babies and stuff, like, to this really far point. He's like, you've been you've been the favorite since kindergarten, and you've seen all the stuff with the baby sister. Like, he knows everything. Like, it's heavily implied that Woody has been with Andy for a really long time. But in the second movie, we also established that he was made in, like, the 50s. Right. So there's, like, this gap that they don't talk about. And it's I think that gap is just the fact that he was a family toy. He was probably Andy's mom's toy. Right, yeah. No, yeah, I like like that theory better than that Jesse was the mom's toy. Yeah. I don't know. Especially because the mom, the girl who gives Jesse away is definitely, like, a redhead or blonde. Right. And the mom is a brunette until yeah. the third movie. <laughs> and it's one of those things that's just like, if they thought of that, why wouldn't they have just put that in the movie? <laughs> like, yeah. why why would you just not say that? Like, what would be yeah. the point of that for anybody besides just to be obtuse and annoying? Yeah, it's like <laughs> if yeah if it if it was Andy's mom who gave away Jesse, I think they would be like, and it was Andy's mom. <laughs> right, like, yeah. I feel like they would totally dig their heels in. Yeah. Um. I also, I just, I wrote down, what the fuck is up with Pizza Planet? Yeah, what the fuck is up with like, Pizza Planet? Like, what kind of nightmare place is that? That's the coolest restaurant in, this, in the whole world. It's just like, I don't know, it just stresses me out to look at. Like, I mean, it's supposed to be like Chuck E. Cheese. Right. But we never see the restaurant part of it, and I'm sure that's just because we don't need to. No, because the big aliens are puking soda into that kid's cup. What? <laughs> There, there's aliens that he hits the button yeah. and they're like, bleh, and like a whole bunch of green glowing radioactive liquid comes out of their mouths yeah, and some kid's slurpy. got his cup. Yeah, Slurpee or whatever. Yeah. It's radioactive and he'll get a third arm and then die. Okay. Uh, what are you talking about? Pizza Planet's fucking gross and it just stresses me out. Okay. <laughs> Why do you You're like it? Do you want to hang out there? Keys. Well, I'm just, there's like, it feels like a Disneyland restaurant. Like there's so much like sound effects and being like, are you hungry for pizza? Boarding at room three. Like, right. in order for Buzz to, like, think that this is a real right. space station, there's so much, like, play acting that's involved with the <laughs> restaurant itself. Right, yeah. But that's not Woody, like, making the world, like, changing the world for Buzz. That's just right. what the world's like <laughs> yeah. already. <sighs> I don't know. Weird. My point is, is not that it's a, a bad filmmaking decision. It's just that I don't want to hang out at Pizza Planet. I think I'd rather okay, die than go Okay, you don't have to go to there. Pizza Planet. I'll go to Pizza Planet by myself. <laughs> by the way, how is it possible that the pizza place in Tomorrowland is still called Planet Pizza? I don't know. How could that possibly be in 2019? <laughs> Listen, they don't know what they're doing, doing with the world of tomorrow. At this point, <laughs> they're know. just like, we. Uh, there's stuff here. It, it, there's some Star Wars yeah, stuff. Yeah, they can't decide if they want to go but whole not hog anymore. on Star Wars. 
So fuck it. It's not it's, Pizza Planet. It's Planet it's Pizza. Planet Jackson, Pizza still. Because we're gonna burn it to the ground eventually. <laughs> right. Someday that'll be the most likely cantina, yeah. and until then, I think the CEO of Disney just like at three a.m. before the before the park opens, just stands in the middle of the land of tomorrow and just just cries and screams and pounds <laughs> the ground. I like no. I like it better if he's like the the John Travolta from Pulp Fiction meme, where he's just like. What the fuck am I gonna do with this? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's not too emotionally invested, but he's just like, something's gotta change with this. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> something's some, so working here. It's definitely haunting because that kid got crushed in the world of tomorrow. That's right. But... <laughs> yeah, the house of tomorrow. I was gonna say, didn't they say that that happened multiple times though? Oh, I'm sure it has. Because the they, the world of tomorrow, they have like that stage that has like the different future scenes that like rotates. And then right. some kid got, like, stuck in between the wall and the moving wall yeah. and got, like, squished. And Torn if you said, half. like, oh, that happens once a week, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I get it. I remember, I I always think I want to look up, like, statistics about people who die at Disneyland, but then I decide I yeah. don't want to. Um, well, but I, dad I always it, does <laughs> whenever yeah. we go. And what he said to me is basically just, like, in the last, like, 30 years, only, like, a dozen people have died at Disneyland. And, like, mm-hmm. four of them were, like, people trying to climb on the monorail tracks and falling right. off and dying, well, which is no, crazy. We, I know this. I know this because we talk about it every time we go to Disneyland. Right. There's, like, there's only, like, a dozen deaths. And, like, eight of them, like, the majority of them are from one single event where it was the Thunder Mountain Railroad. What is it right. called? Rocky, Rocky Mountain Railroad, whatever it's called. Big Thunder Rocky it, Road transmission. Yeah. <laughs> Transmission problem. Transmission was a bad word. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, why did you say transmission? I don't know. Anyway, it's got two tracks. One track is the ride, and then there's, like, a storage track that it can go into when they need to put into storage or whatever. Right. But some problem happened where it shot off like it was going to go on the actual ride, but then it went into the storage, and it just, like, killed everybody that was on yeah, it. Yeah, it just, like, hit a wall. And so, like, that was, like, a big event that killed a bunch of people. And then right. after that, it's people climbing on the monorail, and then there's, like, not really anything <laughs> right. after that. Except climbing on the monorail and getting squished in the house of tomorrow. Yeah. Well, because actually, apparently, if you want to have a medical emergency, Disneyland is the place to have it because they want to get you out of there ASAP because they have (laughs) enough ghosts and they don't want another one. Well, because they know that they keep statistics on it. Like, if you have a heart attack at Disneyland, they're like, if he dies right here, it's going on the website. So get him the fuck out of here. Yeah. They have an ambulance (laughs) there in like five seconds and you are at the hospital so you can die there where you're supposed to. (laughs) Um, <laughs> I don't really have anything else written down about Toy Story 1. Um, I mean, the only thing that I've written down is that as good as Woody's mannerisms are, if you kind of look at, like, everybody else's mannerisms at certain points, they'll do weird things that don't look natural or emote at all. Right. Like, there's the scene where Woody's at the window with Buzz's arm, and he's, like, doing that little acting thing, and then he messes up, and everybody sees the severed arm. And Bo Peep, like, screams, but she, like, makes this weird, like, pose and just, like, vibrates, (laughs) and it looks bad. (laughs) It looks like a TF2 joke animation. Right, yeah. I was going to say, maybe I need to watch it again and just keep an eye on all the background characters and see yeah. what they look like when they're moving around. Well, it's like even, like, Andy or Andy's mom or, like, every once in a while, like, even Woody will, like, just, like, deliver a line in a really weird pose. And I'm like, why did you, why did you <laughs> right. do that? Yeah. Have you seen that video on YouTube 
where somebody did a feature length recreation of Toy Story in live action with actual like toys. No, I haven't. It's kind of interesting. Is and it I'm, good? <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't know if I describe it as good. It's just like, it's literally, it's like somebody in his hands, like in the shot, he's just like moving them around. But yeah. he, I think he takes the audio from the movie and he just recreates mm-hmm. the video in live action with toys. Okay. So, so this is a video that's definitely a joke video, but you got some real meaning from it's, it. I mean, not really. I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to look at it right now. Okay, cool. It's on a channel called... One second. JP and Beyond. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like a it's not like a shit post if that's what you're saying. It's oh, like okay. it, this description is like the whole movie in real life exclamation point. Thank you for watching and sharing this movie with fellow Toy Story fans. To learn more yeah, about okay. us, like they're like taking it really seriously. Yeah, I gotcha. But I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. Like it's funny just to like see it in this like mediocre like home video kind of way, you know. Yeah. Are you just watching it now? <laughs> yeah, I'm watching this scene where they're on the car, and it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Does he actually toy a, bu- a Buzz Lightyear to a rocket? Um, I don't know. I haven't gotten to the rocket part. Do you like the way that I said toy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, hold on. I want to see what this flying looks like. Okay, cool. Oh, God, so good. <laughs> <laughs> what does he do? It's just like... It's just, like, shot from underneath, so you can only see the sky above them. And then they cut oh. to, like, whenever there's a shot from, like, up above, down at the cars, they're just, like, little tiny Hot Wheels on, like, a little road. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's what, really that's good. fair. Yeah, it's worth watching, I think. Um, also, by the way, I just want to say, uh, the little guy who's binoculars, I miss him. Yeah, best character. Best he's character. the best character. His name is Lenny. Yeah, he's the best character. <laughs> also, the car with legs instead of wheels. Also the best character in Sid's room. I like, I like Baby Head Robot. I like him. Baby Head Robot is also very good. They deserve better. I wish they were in all the Toy Story sequels. Yeah, why doesn't Andy... Why does Andy get Jesse and Bullseye? Why doesn't he get Baby Head Crab Robot? <laughs> yeah, he should have taken them all under his wing. I guess there's not really yeah. any resolution for all those toys. Like, no, not no, even I, a little bit. I mean, I guess he presumably would get rid of them after they attacked him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of implied that they went with the sister. Maybe. Just because there's just because she kind of like starts antagonizing him at the end of the movie, which right. he totally deserves. And it's a fun little switch right. of what we saw in the other in the beginning of the film. So yeah, I guess he just has a has a phobia of toys moving forward and he'll be crippled yeah, for the rest good. of his life. And then by... in Toy Story Three he's a trash man, Jackson. Yeah. He seems pretty happy in that know? one though. Yeah, he's yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Dude, he gets paid well. He's got insurance. He's a yeah. trash man. They get paid well. The uh so what do you think about I think this is the first time we've done a Pixar movie on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think about the whole interconnected Pixar universe theory? I personally think it's really stupid and I don't like it. I mean, I'm not against it per se. I think it's... I mean, they definitely weren't doing it from the very beginning. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah, sure. definitely not. But they are, like, leaning so hard into it now. That, like, yeah. every Pixar movie that comes out after, like, 2015, it's just, like, every, like, 20 minutes, you're just, like... <laughs> they, like, 
put the pin yeah. from up on screen in a really prominent place and you're like okay fucking yeah that's the pin from yeah. up good for you well i don't <laughs> think that's them being like it's the same universe i just think right. those are easter eggs like, right I, no but there I, is there is still a little bit of that like when boo shows up in toy story 4 and there they're is like a bit of that. not subtle at all about it <laughs> Well, but the whole thing is that in Monsters, Inc., Boo picks up a Jesse doll and hands it to Sully. Right. And so people, but that, that's not Boo, but in Toy Story 4 has confirmed that Boo and Bonnie are different characters. Oh, wait, was that a theory at one point? I, I think it was. It was that Boo and Bonnie were the same right. people because Boo hands him that. But they're also different ages. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, look, we don't know when Monsters, Inc. takes place. Monsters, Inc., I guess, took place in 2019. and Apparently. The, <laughs> and Boo was there at the park but around Boo's the same like time. But Boo's like a baby. It doesn't talk. Bonnie's like seven, six. And five, I six, guess... Five. No, she starts kindergarten, so she's like five or six. Right. And, I mean, yeah, she's definitely older than Boo is. Yeah, Boo is, like, three tops. <laughs> I, it's been a while since I've seen Monsters, Inc. I want to watch Monsters, Man, Inc. Man, Boo is so cute. I okay, should Boo. we do Toy Story, or should we just go through the Pixar catalog? I think that sounds really fun. We should just go through the Pixar catalog. Every time I want to do an animated movie, you yell at me, so... <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know, it's... You want to do animated movies that aren't good, is the thing. <laughs> well, because I... Do you want, honestly, it's I have picked animated movies that aren't popular animo- animated movies for the most part because, like, I feel like we'll have a more original conversation about those right. than we would about... We ha- we've had a really good conversation about Toy Story. Yeah. But, like, the end of the day, the thesis is still going to be Toy Story is really good, you know? Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. And it so, all like, just yeah, comes I would back love to, to our... go through the Pixar. I would love to go through the Pixar catalog. I think that'd be a super cool series. Yeah, I mean, it all just comes back to us wanting to be better at being positive about movies than we are at criticizing them. You know, and I mean, we also. say we say that all the time, and I feel like we are getting better about it. I mean, look at yeah. this. We just made a whole podcast about Toy Story, and it didn't get weird or stilted at all. So good for us. Pat on the back. <laughs> we didn't put on stilts or anything. Um, do you want to move on into our next bit? Yeah, you go first. Okay, did you not think of one again? No. Okay. What are you what are you talking about? Um What are you I So are you hey, talking about? welcome back to Jackson talks about a comic book at the end of this podcast. Where he, where he talks about a comic book? Yeah. Um there is a comic book going on right now that if you are even slightly in tune with any sort of comic book If you world, have a pulse. Yeah. Like, it's huge right now. It's uh, House of X and Powers of Ten by Jonathan Hickman. It's the new, like, soft relaunch of the X-Men. That's so good. It's um, mm-hmm. written by Jonathan Hickman, who is this writer who did a really famous Fantastic Four run and then a really famous Avengers run a few years after that who writes with this, like, really dense, really, like, high-concept sci-fi tone that's just, like... He writes in this really interesting sort of way where he doesn't, like, give you exposition when you want it. He just doesn't tell you shit until it's, like, relevant. (laughs) Like, immediately. Pretty much. So, like, rather than, like, tell you everything that's happening as it's happening... He, like, just waits to give you information until there's a really satisfying place to put it. And sometimes that just means you kind of don't know what's happening, but it's, like, part of the suspense of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just being confused, you're like, oh, I don't know what's happening, and I'm really excited to find out, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so the story, as of right now, there's a lot going on in it. But um, it has to do with uh, the mutants all banding together and not really being split into separate factions anymore and just exiling themselves to this island, which is also a mutant. <laughs> the island mm-hmm. itself is just a mutant who's a person who turned into an island um, called Krakoa. Um, and <laughs> which is an older X-Men idea. That's not his. Oh, but, gotcha. Um, the, uh, but yeah, and it's all about like all these really fascinating like implications. Powers of Ten specifically deals with like this idea of they're like, oh, X-Men, year zero. Here's Professor Xavier like meeting all the kids at the beginning. And then like mm-hmm. uh, X-Men, year 10. It's like the present day, quote unquote. And they pull weird comic book continuity where they're like, it's 10 years after that. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever. And they're like, X-Men. <laughs> the X-Men timeline. Yeah. With my whole being. I hate it so <laughs> but, much. <laughs> but, uh, and, and then they jump forward to X-Men year 100. And it's like all these characters from the future you don't even know. And they're like doing stuff. And you're like, what is this? What's going on? Yeah. And they jump to X-Men year 1000, and it's, like, a whole different set of characters. You don't know what they're doing. And you're like, how is this part of it? Like, how is this all going to come together at the end? What's what going on? here? But it's, it's super cool. There's a, a specific issue that's really great is House of X number two, which I won't spoil it, but the point of it is that it just introduces this mutant whose mutant power is, um, what's the word? What do you call it when you die and you come back to life again? Resurrection. Re- no, what's the word? What's the word they use for it in like different religions? It's not resurrection. Re- it it is. No. Metamorphosis. No. What's the fucking word? Hold on. Oh, when, when you come back as something else. Yeah. What's no, that I word? Can't the word? I know. I know. <laughs> it's like Hinduism. They believe in. Yeah. Rebirth. I'm Googling Hinduism right now. <laughs> Hinduism is a religion. But... Yeah. What's the part of Hinduism where you come back as something else? But point is, is that when she dies, she comes back to life, but it's her own life just like started over and over yeah. again. Um, and through this mutant, he introduces like 10 different timelines of the X-Men story where she takes different actions each time. It's oh. fucking crazy. Um, so yeah, this is House of X and Powers of Ten, and Ten is X, like the Roman numeral Ten. Yeah. Um, wow. That's been coming out from a Marvel comics written by Jonathan Hickman, uh, drawn by Pepe Larraz and uh, your boy Pepe. What's oh, shoot? What's the other guy's name? Uh, something Silva. Hold on, one second. I'm gonna look at it real quick. Jackson just stood up. Sorry, R.B. Silva is his name. Um, sorry, it's just really important to me that I give credit to comic book creators whenever I can, because society never, ever, ever does. Because society won't. Yeah, like, for real, like, if you see a movie with a comic book name in the credits that's not Stan Lee or Jack Kirby, it's it's a rare occurrence, I just gotta yeah. say. And they don't get, like, paid for it most of the time when they get their work adapted it's just like it's a whole thing. So I, I'm really passionate about giving comic book creators credit. Anyway, 
written by Jonathan Hickman, drawn by Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva. Um, super great stuff. Um, it's just, and it's also just gorgeous. Jonathan Hickman earlier in his career was a professional graphic designer. So he has all these like crazy infographics that he puts in with these like dense, like texts of like paragraphs of text that are just like explaining things to you that you need to know. But in like a really Mm -hmm. interesting and creative way where it's like written like these weird, like scientific, uh, reports you know and it's Mm -hmm. like it's almost like they're written for somebody who's more familiar with what's happening than you are like in canon you know so it's Mm -hmm. like you'll like be learning about something that you need to know for the story but then there'll be this like offhand remark that doesn't make any sense and you're like oh what's that i wonder what he's referring to with that like i'm excited to find out what that is you know uh Mm -hmm. it's just it's super cool and it's the whole thing is like so mysterious um, and just, I don't know, everybody on the planet's really excited about it right now who's into comic books. So House of X and Powers of Ten, they're two miniseries that are part of one contiguous story that are coming out right now from Marvel, and I'm really excited about it. Cool. And you really like it? I really like it. You have to be on this and podcast really too, like Adeline, it. just to hit I know. <laughs> okay. I, I was, never mind. <laughs> All right, so today I want to talk, today I would like today... Today, today I'm gonna talk about Danny Gonzalez. Uh, he's very popular, so I'd be surprised if you don't know him. Actually, that's not true. I always think I know like what being popular means, right. and like in terms of just like being in like the popular conscious. Right. And it's I never I'm never right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And no, yeah, it's like, like oh Danny Gonzalez has. I think like, like two million, so, somewhere between two and three million subscribers. Yeah, yeah, I think which he's got, like, is like or something. fairly big, but like still not huge. You know? Yeah, like if you just walked up to a person, you're like, "Do you know Danny Gonzalez?" They'd be like, "From school." <laughs> right. I was gonna say but, we were yeah. watching Brooklyn Nine Nine the other day, and there was that episode where Gina is like, "I have a million subscribers on something," and she's like renting out like television studios yeah. and like doing all this stuff. It's like, uh, no, 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 no. That is not yeah. enough subscribers to be doing that kind of yeah. thing. I just have, like, no clue, like, what what's actually popular and what's not popular. Because right. every time I'm like, oh, this is a popular thing. Everybody knows what this is. No one knows what I'm talking about. Right. And every time I'm like, no one watches this. And then it's like, everyone is watching this. <laughs> but anyway. So Dan Gonzalez on YouTube, he is a YouTuber. He does commentary on in a lot of internet things, on Instagrammers, on YouTubers, and more recently movies, or just anything he wants to talk about, he talks about. But uh, on the side, he does comedy music, and the comedy music is really good. <laughs> uh, he released an album in 2019 that's Bump This, that's got six songs on it, but he also, on Spotify, he just has a lot of singles, and all of the singles are really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Jackson and I and our friends have a kind of honorary Christmas pre- playlist that just has Dan Gonzalez's <laughs> I want I'm gonna kill Santa Claus on it. Uh thank God 9-11 didn't happen on Christmas. Yeah, by Gabe Gundecker. And Peppermint Winter. It's a playlist of three songs, but they're yeah. all really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're just hilarious. Like something about the way that he writes music, like even when the song is silly, it's still a bop. Yeah. Like, he just wrote this song to, well, because he had a huge copyright strike where any music that he put on his videos got copy stricken and he couldn't post that video anymore and he couldn't get paid for it. So he just wrote a song to play at the end of his videos for, like, an outro. 
and it's just a bop. Like, it's literally <laughs> about nothing. The, the right. point of the song is that the video that you were watching is over, but, like, it's it's got, like, such a good beat to it, and Danny's, like, a pretty good singer that, like, you're kind of upset when the song ends <laughs> right. after every single video that you watch. Yeah. Like, he's just super talented, and his, his songs are really good. And I always have a lot of respect for people that can write music and, like, do that stuff. Because personally, I just have, like, I just do not have the brain for it. So Reincarnation. Like, hey, I, reincarnation what? was the word we were thinking of. You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it was reincarnation. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, I just don't have the brain for writing music. So I'm always, like, blown away when other people can just write music. Right. And... Danny's music is so funny. Like, I mean, he <laughs> writes a song about slime YouTubers. That's <laughs> really okay. good. He has a song about uh, Hop Out the Whip, which is a song about hopping out of your car and yeah. hopping back in. It's so it's good. Just, that's my favorite There's of his. so many good. Yeah, that's Jackson's favorite. Uh, and just, like, I don't know. It's just they're really nice to listen to. They're really catchy, and they're also really funny. And just because they're... It's comedy music. It's just really easy to consume. It's not. Right. It doesn't take a long time. It doesn't take any energy in any way. <laughs> so yeah, go check out Danny Gonzalez on Spotify. Hey Adeline, do you want to hear a? I couldn't find a good one star review. This is a one and a half star review of Toy Story. Oh, okay. This is by Dale R S Hutchinson on Letterbox.com. Oh, a full name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he says uh, this movie was my favorite as a kid. Dot dot dot. As a kid. <laughs> I'm a grown-up now. Now I like Pulp Fiction and drugs. Like a real man. I eat 20-pound steaks a day and lift my hot goth GF over my head. All right, my name's Jackson McMurray. <laughs> my name's Alan McMurray. And this is No Nerds Allowed. There are no nerds allowed. Boom. That's the tree horse storm. Tree horse. Tree house storm swimming. That's the tree, tree horse, Jackson. Can our mascot for the podcast be the tree horse? The tree horse. <laughs> Is that a horse in a tree or a horse with a tree coming out of it? It's a horse made of trees. Oh, a wooden it's horse, like, like the Trojan horse. It's like an from Lord of the Rings, except of, instead of a man, it's a horse. Oh, interesting. 